Hey guys, it's Amanda and Baron. We're back again from our break. Thanks for staying tuned. Uh, these, this segment is brought to you by Five Marketing, who can take care of all of your website needs. If you have any questions, if you already have an up a website that's already up and have want to improve it, or if you're not sure where to start, he is your go-to. And then keep it Sarah simple. She is absolutely amazing for all of your dietary needs, questions. Um, if you want to get on the right track, she is your girl, and that's keep it Sarah simple. All right, let's dive back in. So this doctor did this for 20 years, and you said before the break that if he's doing it for 20 years, he might be on to something. He had to, there had to have been, 20 years is a really long time. He had to have had some evidence and seen actual results that this was working. Right. So here's his direct quote. <clears throat> he said, <clears throat> I had been taught that this surgery was the only method by which malignant diseases could be successfully treated, and at the time, believed this to be true. Mm-hmm. So in the late 1800s, they were still trying to get tumors out of women with surgery. Mm-hmm. And he was taught this was the only way to work. That's what he was being told as a doctor. Right. Okay. But failure after failure following, following each other without a single breakthrough inclined me to an alternate opinion. Good for him. Right? Fuck yeah. that system. The disease invariably recurred with renewed vigorance. Mm-hmm. Suffering was intensified and the life of the patient was shortened. So in 1896, <laughs> he knew that cutting the tumor out was a bad idea. And we're still running for And the here we are. Today. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, and I love this, he said, cancer is a curable disease. Amen. Amen. He said that in 1896. Mm-hmm. I believe him. If it's a local development it is recognized in this early stage and if rational dietary <laughs> therapies measures are adopted so recognize the problem early change your diet you can beat cancer that's what he said in 1896 mm-hmm. why is it that that's considered radical right <laughs> that does seem really radical <laughs> now though right i mean they called me radical when i addressed my cancer that way i'm like why is that radical that's crazy yeah I did actually get a little more radical than that. that, What is that, uh, 126 years ago? And we've just made no improvements. I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't believe it. Yeah. So I'll jump a little closer to now, in 1975. Okay. So a little closer to Mm -hmm. now. Researchers reported a direct correlation between per capita intake of total fat and the incidence of cancer of the uterus and the mortality of ovarian cancer. This also linked total protein consumption with endometrial cancer and total protein consumption with cervical cancer. So in 1975, they're seeing this correlation. And from earlier in the book, there was a report that was taken to Congress in 1976 Mm -hmm. that said we need to change our food system. Right. Who fought that? The hog industry, the protein, the the beef industry, the all of the meat industries Chicken fought industry. that report, mm-hmm. and yet the report says that that total protein consumption was a con- major contributing factor. So when I shared that with Mickey, you had some interesting thoughts on this too. 
<laughs> well, it's crazy because there's the keto diet too, right? Which is, I'm a little bit terrified of that. Um, you know, the long-term ramifications because longevity wise, right? You said if somebody's been doing something for 20 years, it says something about it. Well, right. keto diet is relatively new. We had the Atkins diet, which is now the keto is a modified version of that. But remind me, how did Dr. Atkins die? Oh, wait, it was a heart attack. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's funny. No, I you know, know, I mean, that's called a clue. I try to go off the keto diet myself. So it's a great way to stay lean, but in terms, so there's a difference between, and it, we, as Americans, we get really confused because we're all, we have a disease I call lookism, right? We want to be thin. We want to look a certain way. And in order to do that, we want to, you know, eat like a leopard mm-hmm. and just meat and very few carbs, but, you know, not our, all carbs are created equally. And meat is really hard to digest, mm-hmm. which is why you lose weight when you eat it. But digesting is one of the hardest jobs your body will ever do. Do. And I love that you said you're fasting today because it's one of your biggest tools is to just, I call it a secretary. You know, if, you, if your digestion system is a secretary and you're handing her piles of paper every single day, more and more and more, like she's never going to get through that. Right. And so if you just stop giving her stuff to do, she can... Relax. Yeah, get through the yeah, get through the piles. Um, Similarly, you know, with your digestive system, you stop eating for a day or two. You're not going to die. No, you give your digested system a break and be able to, you know, plow through some of the backup and the garbage that. Mm -hmm. Was that what we talked about yesterday, or did I digress? (laughs) So now I have a question, more a a personal thing. So with the keto diet, with the proteins, I'm I'm highly addicted to cheese. I'll admit it. I'm yeah. Bad, bad for me, cheese. So I do actually more cheese than meats, yeah. probably. So let me let me give you a little fun fact about cheese. The, okay, the, is it fun or terrifying? It's terrifying. Oh. So there's a there's a, a chemical. Happens. I know <laughs> there's a chemical in milk, and it's not a man-made chemical. It's naturally in milk that makes a baby cow crave milk, and that makes that baby cow grow into a two hundred ton, a two ton beast. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's a good thing or not a good thing to be consuming a craveable chemical that makes your body turn into a two-ton beast? No. No, that's not a good diet at all. <laughs> right? You so, hate it when we bring you this information, I know. You know, I try really hard and then I just get shut but down. But that's why. No, that's that's why cheese is so addictive because that chemical in that milk, and it's very concentrated in cheese, mm-hmm. that chemical is designed to make the baby cow crave milk. So it's doing the same thing to you. Yeah. And let me just put it this way, and I'm guilty of this myself because I don't really like anything else in my coffee but half and half. It's you know, And I do love some cheese now and then. I prefer goat, but whatever. Not perfect. I'm not speaking from any pedestal, so right. just let me get that out of the way. Thank you for um, that. It's in a high <laughs> concentration of cheese, and so you're, you're going to crave it, and that's why it's so hard to get off of it. That's crazy. I, when I go to the grocery store, I look for like a new kind. Like, okay, this week I'm going to do Munster cheese. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Next week I'm going to do Gouda. Yeah. Uh, this week I'm going to do Provolone. Yeah. And I play a little game with myself. I'm like, but it looks like cellulite. If I just tell myself it looks like cellulite, maybe I won't want to eat it. No. <laughs> it doesn't help. Cheese is, cheese is very craveable. And it it's, is. You know, let's just be honest. It's delicious. My son was allergic for the first 14 years of his life, could not have dairy. Mm-hmm. And then he's no longer allergic to it. And mm-hmm. when I give him some of my cheese, mm-hmm. he, he's okay with it. But like the milk, he's like, something's not right with that. 
It doesn't make me feel good. It right. doesn't look good. doesn't taste good. Yeah. It is actually pretty awful. I'd rather stick to my other milks if that's okay. And it's like, no, that's totally fine. Yeah. I don't mind at all. That's but it's funny. interesting because I thought it would be the opposite. I thought he would love it. No. And he's like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Well, your body develops taste buds, you know, mm-hmm. to whatever you're used to. Um, and I actually found out I had cancer because my son kept getting sick. Really? And so it's probably a perfect time. It's to a segue great segue, right yeah. Your story. But I want to touch on the milk thing a little yeah. bit because yeah. they, you know, I think he was in the third grade and they tested him and they were like, "Hey, he failed his hearing test." And I said, "Well, he just got over a cold, so you know, let's wait a couple of a month or so and we'll test him again." Well, a couple of months later, we tested him again. He still couldn't hear, and it was kind of a family joke. His brothers were like, "Well, what are you deaf?" Well, it turns out he couldn't hear. <laughs> Didn't right. everybody feel bad then? And so they wanted to take his adenoids out. They wanted to put you know, hearing uh, tubes in his ears, and I was beside myself, you know. And this is, you know, after I had gone down the naturopathic route of, you know, kicking my cancer. Right. So I should have known better, but, you know, we get lax and after a while, which I'll circle back to that in a minute. Took him to a naturopath. She did all this muscle testing. She looks at me and she says, get him off of milk, all milk, all dairy, period. And I don't know if you've ever tried to do that. You start reading labels. It's in everything. My son being allergic to it, everything. It's literally in everything. Yeah. And so, you know, we were rice bread and every birthday party is pizza and ice cream. You know, mm-hmm. it was a nightmare, but we did it. We got through it. And guess what? He can hear. Really? Yeah. And so going back to my cancer protocol, one of the things that I did, I followed a protocol by Dr. Christopher, who's an old, old, old herbalist. Um, He called it the mucusless diet. The mucusless diet. The mucusless diet. Okay. And so if you think about milk, milk is mostly, ready for it? Pus. Oh. I know. It just makes you want it, doesn't it? No. I know, but I mean, I, I, I like to be a little bit shocking, not for you, for me. It helps me not want it right. because, you know, I'm addicted to it. And, you know, our bodies crave things that aren't necessarily good for us. Um, Amen to that. Yeah. My Lord. And so milk creates a lot of mucus in your, as does meat, yeah. because it's hard to digest. And so it slows everything down mm-hmm. and it causes congestion, also known as mucus. And here, that's the underlying all of it of disease. No, it's funny you say that because in high school I did theater. And, the, and this is, you know, I was 15, 16, 17 years old. <clears throat> but our drama coach would say, before any play... Don't drink milk for dinner. Uh-huh. And then when you get here, they'd, he'd give us a little bit of lemon in water. Mm-hmm. And what he was doing is helping break the mucus up in my throat yeah. so that I could get on stage oh. and actually perform. And not have the... Yeah. <coughs> yeah, you're going, <coughs> you know. Yeah. And, I, and I do that anyway, naturally. Yeah. But he's like, don't drink milk for dinner before you come for the play. Mm-hmm. And then when you get here, we're going to put a little bit of lemon in the water, and that's all going to... The pH level of the lemon is going to break up right. the mucus. Right, So you talk about milk being... Mucus. Yeah. It was creating mucus in my throat that right. I couldn't perform on stage. Right. What's crazy is my husband's very, uh, he's always uh-huh. mucusy. Uh-huh. And he drinks uh, whole milk mm-hmm. every night. Skim he milk loves- isn't any better, so let's just get that on the table. I think that's yeah. good to know. Yeah. Um, I quit drinking milk about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, not like quit, just it just... I was cutting certain things out of my diet and trying to lose a little bit of weight and just get 
healthier. And mm-hmm. so that was one thing I just took out of my diet. Um, but he's always really just mucousy. He's always coughing yeah. things up, and it's not he's not sick. And yeah. so I'm wondering now. Well, if and the you know the bad news is is it doesn't happen overnight. You take. Um, you know, I was coaching somebody and, you know, he had taken dairy out of his diet for days. <laughs> and he's like, well, it's I still have it. I'm like, I have really bad news for you. When, when Chris, my middle son, was sick all the time, it took six months mm-hmm. of diligent, strict. Right you know, discipline Mm -hmm. and his hearing came back. So it really like, how bad do you want it? Right. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of us, it's, it's just easy. And like I said, I'm guilty of it too. I'm putting half, it's organic, but I'm putting half and half of my coffee. I like it. Right. I have certain vices and you know, I gave up coffee and I put it back in. And when I was going through the cancer protocol, it went up the other end and right. Right. (laughs) You know, it's like, it it took a long time for coffee to smell good for a while. (laughs) Not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah. Um, but, so 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 this book was written in, in 1993, mm-hmm. and you were diagnosed 1996. So about yeah. then this book was written. Yeah. that's intriguing. That. So my baby was six six weeks old. I'll never forget it. I was sitting there with a six week old baby at my breast, and, and how old like, were you? I was 28. Okay. Yeah, and you know I was a black belt. I thought I was healthy. I was sort of a kick ass girl, and he's looking at me, telling me how I'm going to die because I have cervical cancer, and I'm like, what? Yeah. And you want to take my what? And, you know, told me I wasn't going to have any more kids and la, la, la. And I'm just, an, I literally felt that rebellious teenage spirit bubble up inside me. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know who you think you are. Right. But I don't like to be told what to do. And if I want to have another kid, then by golly, I'm going to have another kid. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We're done. And so I went, I told my my midwife, who also happened to be a naturopath, um, what had happened, and it just so happened, Dr. Molly Linton happened to be the spokeswoman in America at that time about cervical and uterine dysplasia. Oh, wow. That's a God thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so she said, I got you. And she put me on this <laughs> very strict protocol. And literally, I remember being on my knees, crying out to God, oh, my God, I can't eat anything. Mm-hmm. This sucks. You know, because the list of things that I couldn't eat were everything that I was used to growing up in a grocery store. Right. You know, Twinkies and Ho-Hos and, you know, pizza mm-hmm. and all the yums. Um, they were not on that list. And, <laughs> and I was like... Looking at it, just aghast. And I remember Dr. Molly saying, Mickey, healthy people crave healthy things. And I was like, Dr. Molly, I'm pretty sure I'm never going to crave brown rice and broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, she was right. She was right. It took a long time for me to get there um, because your accumulation of everything you've eaten over the last, for me at that time, 28 years. But, um, you know, it was not easy. And I... Let's just be clear. Getting through cancer through any modality isn't easy. Right. Right. Um, I used to call the way that I had done it the hard way. And maybe I was a little bit arrogant or maybe I was a lot arrogant. Right. (laughs) But, you know, I had done a hard thing and I was not proud of myself for doing it, but proud of myself for sticking with it. Yeah. yeah. So if Um, we go back to when you were 28. Yeah. Sorry. And you. I'm a hop around. No, you you went, decided to go with this naturopath. Yeah. So what was the other alternative? Oh, they if wanted you, to give me a full, full-on hysterectomy. So the option was cut it out. Yeah, cut it out. Right. So because I, I keep saying on the show that we've got three, we have three methods in Western medicine. Yeah. You cut it out, you burn it out, you poison it. Out. Yeah. So in your case, the way to get the cancer out was to cut it out. Yeah, and I'm like, you, I am not going under the knife with you at the helm, dude. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um. So instead of cut it out, you went with 
food. I went with food. I went with, so I became an herbalist. I, Dr. Molly gave me this big protocol of all these tinctures and things that I was supposed to be taking. I didn't even know what that was. Right. Um, but I'm looking at this list of herbs and I'm like, um, so I have a bunch of this growing in my backyard. Um, <laughs> is it possible? Because I was broke, which right. was also part of the reason that I wasn't going for chemo, radiation, right. and surgery because I couldn't afford it. It's just, it wasn't on my menu. Um, and so she said, yeah. And she sent me down this research road of books and I took a correspondence course in herbalism. I became an herbalist. I learned how to make salves and ointments and teas and boluses and tinctures and all the things. How fun. And I literally went out into the woods and drug home forest products and made my own medicine. That's pretty cool. I mean, back then there wasn't a health food section at the grocery store. Right. 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 It, it just newer. wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, which kind of makes you wonder, what's the rest of the grocery store? But anyway, we, we, I digress. We actually, no, you don't digress because we actually talked about that a few episodes. We did, we did. We said if this is the health food, then what's this the rest? Is, is this the unhealthy food? Uh-huh. Yeah. Where you everybody get, you else get half of an aisle of healthy. And right. And the rest of it's unhealthy. A whole right. huge warehouse. Well, and, and it's interesting now that there is a health food section. A lot of that health food is, I'm making air quotations for those of you who can't see me. Um, <laughs> it's junk food. It's still processed, you know, vegan, like that, none of that existed back in 1996. So I had to make my own, you know, and I was raw vegan. I went really, really radical. Okay. I was doing coffee enemas every day. I was doing hot, cold treatments. I was like, and I knew, I guess I did know that it was, you know, a dire. Just for clarification, (laughs) when you say coffee enema, you are, you are literally Yep, we're going there. So I so, had my enema bag. I was real intimate so with Amanda's it. Got a Can I ask why? What what was the benefits? So um, essentially, we're all full of shit, right? Scary <laughs> <Fair laughs> <enough>. English. <laughs> okay, so Dr. Christopher's protocol. Um, who's the old, old herbalist. Um, his torch has since been taken on by Dr. Schultz, um, herb doc dot. Calm, I think, is his, you know, he still has all of the old protocols that Dr. Christopher came up with. Um, I like to keep things really simple. And essentially, he said that the body's designed to heal itself. And in order to do that, you have to get the good things into the cells and you have to get the bad things out of the cells. Mm-hmm. And then you have to stop doing the bad things. Okay. Simple enough. Now, right. let's define what the good things are and what the bad things are and how do you get all that stuff out? Yeah. Right? Because I, like I said, I had been raised in a grocery store and I literally, I had eaten garbage my entire life. Yeah. And when I say garbage, I mean like we didn't bother dumpster diving because with the dented cans and rotten tomatoes just cut the mold off. Like that's what we ate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, my, my mother's milk was Snickers and, <laughs> you know, three-day-old pizza. Um so getting the bad stuff out included fasting. It included some herbal cleanses, which are awful, um, like some uh, suppositories and some uh, like diuretics and what's the word I'm looking for? Um, stuff like that makes you poo. Out. Yes, <laughs> and um, and doing a lot of fasting, you don't have a lot of bowel movement, so you, there's still stuff in there. And so doing coffee enemas helps dislodge some of the residual waste in there and get it out. Okay. Um, and it also, it stimulates like the caffeine. You don't absorb it like you do when you drink caffeine, um, but it stimulates the colon and helps, you know, get things moving, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, so yeah, and, I do, every and, day. And I guess if you're that, 
if you're if you're that bad of shape, then you've got to take yeah. drastic measures. And the thing is, is like you said, I didn't feel bad. The, but I remember, I don't know, three or four or five months into it, being at this little tiny. I found a health food store in Federal Way. It was called Maureen's, um, and uh, I remember th- looking around. I'm standing at the in the produce aisle, and I juiced every day religiously. It was like really radical in my diet, and I remember thinking, I feel amazing. And I didn't remember feeling so lousy, but you don't realize how lousy you feel until you start to feel good, right? And so it was just like this revelation, like, well, wait a minute, how good can it get? Right. Which is a really interesting question because most people are asking, how bad can it get? Right. Right. Let's change our story, um, which is part B of mine. But anyway, uh, a lot of the quote-unquote work that I had to do was mental. Oh, yeah. Because, you you know, if you're undertaking something that radical, like it became a full-time job. I'm growing my own food. I'm going out into the forest and dragging home Usnia and Yellow Dock and, you know, making all kinds of fun concoctions. It's a commitment. It's a commitment, and there's a lot of resistance in your head oh yeah and not well let me say worse than that is what everybody is saying to you Mm -hmm. because you know back then going naturopathic wasn't a thing and so people are like you're gonna die and my mother was a mess and she was yelling at me and blah 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 well incidentally my mother had cervical cancer and my mother had uterine cancer and my mother had the procedure right came back and she had a procedure and it came back and she had a you know and then she had a full-blown hysterectomy and when they and it get gross for a minute. When they when they take your uterus out, they take everything out, mm-hmm. your intestines, everything, because it's you know it's all interwoven in there. And then they put it all back together and sew you up. Bada bing, bada boom. Have a nice day. Well, they kinked her intestines when they oh. put them back in. They didn't know that yeah. at the time. But that woman threw up for six years. She wow. was a mess for six years, and then she died of heart attack. So I was looking at that, going, yeah, no, I don't think I want to go that way. Right. You know. And so I was willing to do the work because, I mean, either way I went, it was going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Right? Either I, way. I, like, yeah. Either way I went, it was going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing what was at the end of this hard was better health and yeah. all my body parts. I'm like, yeah. if I could just, you know, get to that pearly gate with my enema bag and all my parts in intact, mm-hmm. I will have accomplished something. And you mentioned a phrase that we've used quite often on kicking cancer. It's called choose your hard. Choose your hard. Um, and in my sister's case, she she did some radical stuff. She exercises every day. She changed the way she eats. Mm-hmm. She goes into the doctor one day, sitting next to this lady, and this lady's like, "Why? That is so hard. What you're doing?" <laughs> yeah. And the lady next to her just had half her stomach removed. Uh-huh. And Brenda looks at that lady and says, "So having half your stomach your heart is not as hard, right? Right? She says everything in life is hard. Just mm-hmm. choose your heart." My mom had a hysterectomy, and it forever changed her. Yeah. Forever. In in your case, what you did was hard. What your mom did, no, it was hard. It made her sick for six years. Right. But here's the thing. My mother did not know she had a choice. Right. Because they didn't tell her it was a choice. That's my message. Like, I will never forget sitting across from that doctor and just, like, you're going to die. And I'm like, who the actual do you think you are? Yeah. You know, it just it brought this rage up in me, and I was like... I have a choice. And, you know, when I was out in my garden and out in the woods and, you know, doing my thing, I would listen to these tapes. I had a Walkman. That's how old this was. um, Of Carolyn Meese, who wrote a book, Why People Don't Heal. And it was a book on tape. And she really hit home how 
responsible we are for our own health and how we we store negativity in certain cells. And it just hit me that I had taken a part in creating this cancer, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. Because if I had taken a part in creating this cancer, then that meant that I could un do this cancer yeah, absolutely and so it was very empowering and so really we do have a choice and that's the piece that that, that I sing that song all day long you have choices mm-hmm. and you need to look at all of your options and choose wisely because every choice has consequences yep. and I just suggest that you choose to take your power back absolutely and not give it away to the almighty doctor yeah. Well, you can tell that she's passionate. I was about just going to say, you're, you got me sold. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've only got a little bit of time left, but I want to bring up one interesting point that you brought about dragging all this stuff from, from the forest. And I'll quickly yeah. give an analogy. If you go back to when this whole area was a bunch of tribal people, right. the most revered person in that tribe was the medicine man. Right. Because he knew everything that would take care of you. And right. when the tribe got sick, they stopped taking care of the medicine men. And we've gone the other direction. The most revered person in our society is the medicine man, as long as you stay sick. As long as you yeah. stay sick. Yeah. yeah. Pretty crazy. All right, I'm going to wrap it up, you guys. Thank you so much You're for coming welcome. in. I appreciate everything you shared with us. A uh, huge shout out to our sponsors again, Five Marketing and Keep It Sarah Simple. We will see you guys next Saturday as, as the, the movement, movement continues. continues.